And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John well, hello to everyone, and thank you for joining in on with the Weighing In Podcast. My man Josh Thompson is ready to talk about the big pay-per-view coming up. We got all kinds of information coming your way, even odds. We're going to do a little bit of weighing in on the odds so you guys can go and possibly win some money from my bookie if you're smart enough to go with them. We have a ton to talk about. How you feeling, my man? I know you were doing that Hollywood thing. You were acting. You've always acted as a fighter, so now I guess you're acting as a human being. <laughs> What's wow. happening, man? Wow, yeah. shots thrown. Shots, shots thrown. fired across the bow. Jeez. Yeah, uh, people would know, say I acted like a referee, so. Yeah, I was able to do a, I was able to get a little bit of a piece in the NCIS LA world, so I did that yesterday morning in LA, and it was wonderful. We had a blast, and uh, I want to thank everyone there. They uh, invited me on, and I was on. It was great, man. I had a great time. All the other actors that helped me out and stuff that worked in it was, it was an actual fantastic time. Short, brief, I think we were there for at least, you know, three quarters of a day or whatever and came back last night. Great job, great time, all that stuff. But John, you brought up odds. I have something I would love for my bookie to put on their odds page. You want, you want to know what that is? What is I that? want to know what the odds are that we will land on Mars first. Before we actually get voting machines that are accurate. That work? <laughs> that work. That's what I want to know. Today, because we are dropping this, we're filming this show on Tuesday. This show will drop for you guys on Wednesday morning, hecka early. But it is voting day here in the U.S. And so whichever you way you're going, yeah, just go yeah. vote. Just go vote. That's the biggest thing is go, go vote. vote. I'm not here to preach about politics or any of that stuff. But I am here to complain about the voting machines. That's what I'm here to do. It's just ridiculous. I mean... Figure it out, man. Figure it out. We are closer to landing on Mars than we are to getting accurate or competent or ones that just don't break uh, on Election Day. So anyways, uh, hopefully we can fix that problem uh, soon. Soon. But anyway, I, like we said, hopefully you guys went out and you guys voted. And if you guys did, hey, post a picture of yourself with a sticker, whatever it is, and just let everyone else know, hey, go out there and vote. Do your thing. And, and uh, in the future, go out there and vote. Even the even the young kids, 18, 19, 20, get out there, man. Go out there. Do what you believe. Do it. It's your, it's your chance of voicing your opinion, even if yep. you don't have to talk. Yes. Yep. Ah, uh, you don't have to talk. All right. Well, hey, we've got a big weekend of fights that are coming up. And, John, I got to be honest, man. I got to be honest. I'm a little stoked. I'm a little, a little stoked. stoked. Well, a little after stoked. the... It doesn't take much to get me fired up and stoked after the last two weekends of shitty fights. So there was, of course, there was some good fights on each one of those cards. Yes. There was, there was, there was, was real good. There were some great yeah. performances by fighters, yes. and you don't ever want to take away from that. But if you're going to say not. as a whole, there were some great fights. No, there were great performances. Yes, because yes. there was some. And it's, I don't want to say mismatches, but just one fighter overwhelming the other with just better technique doing a much better job and it just you could see the difference in the levels and stuff but that happens yeah but you know what though this is a way for them to spend more money on the bigger pay-per-views to bring in more to have more stacked cars i remember back in the day you john you and i've been around since you've been around since dirt i've been around since the evolution of this sport okay so the beginning <laughs> of the sport you were obviously way before that but it just comes down to do you remember it, 
when UFC won, which was stacked with a bunch of people that no one really knew. Well, and, what do you uh, mean no one really? No nobody one knew, knew any of them. No one knew any of them. <laughs> so, but when you get into like UFC 3, UFC 15, UFC 23, you only had, say, one or two good fights on the card. A couple good other good fights that were on there, but like no one knew their names. When you got into like 35 and 40, that's when you started getting stacked main event cards. It was like, you know, okay, we had, you started getting BJ Penn, you started getting Frank Shamrock, you started getting Tito against Ken Shamrock. You had some good, good stacked pay-per-view cards, and they all had to be pay-per-view at the time because there was no TV that really wanted to get involved with, with the UFC. But things have changed, and now oh, yeah. we get we get every month we get a very normally a very stacked pay per view card, and a couple little shows in between, like we've experienced the last two weeks since the Islam Makachev fight, is that those two cards there was some good fights on there, some great performances by those fighters, but the rest of the card was kind of bleh, you know. And I I know I misspoke a little bit earlier, and I said it was crap. It wasn't crap. It just they fought their asses off. It just didn't. They didn't perform. The fight didn't. The fight card wasn't the best that we have seen, and it's not. It's just the way it goes. Um, they had some great performances. Now we're back to another really stacked pay per view card. How do you do? You like this? Do you like this type of format where you have two kind of weeks of not really gr- stacked cards, not really big time names on them, and then two big pay per views probably within three weeks? Do you like that? No, I, it's I, there. There comes a point, and it's just. There's a, there's that point where it tips and it becomes, I don't want to say watered down, mm-hmm. but some of the shows are watered down that, that we're getting. And that's from all promotions. I'm not, you know, just saying that. No, no, I agree. UFC, you know, the, you have these super fights and su- super interesting matchups that look, they want to put out there on, that you know the UFC wants to put you know they got 281 they want that Dustin Poirier Michael Chandler out there they want that you know Asparza versus Wei Li Zhang it's those cards you look and you go man this the the main card fight after all five fights fantastic and then you can look back and you say well you you know what what are you giving up for that well you kind of are giving up you you're getting some main events on some of these cards that you look and you go, truthfully, that on a good card is in the preliminaries. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's a give and take. Look, I love fights, so I watch everything. But I can understand where, you know, the common viewer is going to start looking and saying, I'm, I, don't, I don't really recognize any of the names except for one on that card. I don't care. And yeah. they're not going to watch. You know, no, that's okay. That's, you know, that's their choice and everything. And. Look, the UFC is the one putting out the most content by far. Yeah. You know, they're putting out over 40 shows, you know, a year. That's a ton of content. That's a lot Mm -hmm. of fights. And they've got to do those fights because they owe all of the people that they have under contract a certain number of fights unless that fighter says, oh, I can't do it because of, you know, some type of injury or things like that. But, yeah, there comes a point where there is that tip and you say some of them, the interest just isn't there because you don't have that fight that, you know, it sets it off. When you had, like, Calvin Cater against, you know, uh, Arnold Allen. See, that's a fight I'd watch no matter what. I yeah. love that fight. That's a great match between two great featherweight fighters. 
you know, so that's great. I don't, and I honestly don't even really care so much of, you know, if the rest of the card is loaded, you gave me that one fight. That's a special fight that I have to see those guys compete against each other. But we have had some that you look and you go, eh, really doesn't matter if I see it. Well, there's a couple things that I won't, like, what you just talked about is my argument has always been without a fighter union, without an Ollie act, whatever it is, right, for fighters pay, all these arguments is that the, I stand by the fighters deserve to get paid. And I think they deserve to get paid a bigger portion. Say, what are they getting paid now? 16%, maybe 17. I've always said, let's ba- let's do baby steps. Let's go up to 20, 21% somewhere there for the first couple of years. Say like a four year period. Then you get into, let's get into 25 to 27. Let's build up into that. Okay. That's my, that's been my argument on from the promotional side, as well sure. as understanding we don't want to, we don't want to take away events that we're doing now we want to still have the same quality but let's do that in small baby steps that's been my argument for that now my argument for the other portion is what we got for over the last three weeks or two weeks or whatever from fights i agree with you the arnold allen and cater fight definitely a main event type thing but i would have liked to have seen possibly that fight go into the pay-per-view card and then take dustin and chandler or yeah dustin and chandler and put them onto a main event somewhere because that fight to me means a lot more for five rounds this fight is not five rounds from what i understand it's three rounds this fight in a five round fight should should to be needs to be five five rounds and so that we are as fans we're losing out now honestly i my argument from before and this is i'm kind of contradicting myself because when i was coming up we had just started not coming up but as the UFC started doing five round main events even if it wasn't a title shot talked badly about it and i talked yeah I talk badly about it. And I don't, I've always, I've always kind of been opposed to it. If you're, unless you are the number one contender, this ideally could be a number one contender spot though. Could it could be. So now this, I guess I, I, I would be supporting it because this, whoever wins this fight, both of them could potentially fight in a number one. This is a number one contender spot to potentially fight for the title next after Islam and Volkanovsky. Uh, Charles sounds like he's taking some time off because if anyone deserves an automatic rematch, it would be Charles if it was from me, if if I was the promoter, which I'm not, by the way. Um, (laughs) I want to make sure we're clear. You're not. Um, So there's a lot of different avenues in which I want. I want to get away from. I want to make sure that we aren't losing all these top level fights and the quality of the product to get watered down. And that's a little bit of what I'm seeing right now. So then the argument will start to become, well, well, Hey, if we're going to start to become like boxing, then where you only get one or two good fights on a main card and then everything else is watered down, then fuck it. Why are we not paying the fighters a lot more? Why are they not getting 50 million to fight? Why are they not getting 30 million to fight? Then I'm going to have to support, start supporting what the fucking media says about paying these guys more. I, you know, that's kind of in the argue that would start leaning towards that argument. If we're going to get watered down events. Now I know that they have this deal with ESPN that I think is it 52 shows or 50, no, 42, 50, 42. Okay. 42 shows are, there's a guarantee they deliver 42. Okay. So is it 42? I thought it was 52. Yeah, 42. No, okay. 52 is every week. That's pretty much where we're at, John, and sometimes twice <laughs> on the weekends. That's ones in some. I remember, remember ones like in Brazil, and then the next day, something's here in the states. Yeah, they they've, they've got to do some makeups. Um, but yeah, I think um, I want. I would like. To, I just want to make sure that we're not getting away from a watered down, uh, 
sport. If you start watering it down, then people start losing interest, and then they only care about the top level fighters. Right yeah. now, there's still a lot of interest. Like like last weekend, even though the whole card I wasn't really into, but there was a couple fights in the Neo Magni fight. I was into it. I was into that with D Rod and Neo Magni. I was into Lemos and Rodriguez. I was into those because we've they've spent. Most promotions spend a ton of time building up their young talent, young talented fighters, the young and up and coming ones that they can potentially promote throughout the years. That's yeah. what they do really well. Boxing does not do that. Boxing feeds them tomato cans for twenty fights, and get that yeah, twenty and zero, baby. Get that twenty and zero, and now I've got something to market you on, and then we just fight you once a year to keep people always wanting more, and we pay you a ton of money, which is great, but then no one gives a shit about what's on the undercard. And but that that opens up a lot for corruption with the promoters, and you're seeing what's going on right now. Whether it's Javante uh, Davis and Garcia, that fight should have been already made. Why is it not being made? Oh, the TV networks, the the two fighters have agreed. The TV networks are having some problems. The promoters are kind of saying that that it's the TV networks, and then people are buzzing that it's kind of still the promoters. So what's really going on? This is I I just. I want to stay away from watering down the sport. I want the fighters to get paid a little bit more, but let's do it in baby steps. All of these things is growth, but I'm excited for this big pay-per-view this weekend because I know that was a big, long rant about something and something and something, but it all started with, we could. these are fights that we're getting to such a stacked card. Any of these main event fights could be a main event on a, on a on an Apex or on a fight night or or any other Saturday normal Saturday night fight. Any of so, these main card fights. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. This this is a great card. Well, hello, hello, hello. Go to mybookie.ag. So we are getting ready for another pay-per-view weekend and I cannot wait to talk about these fights. We are going to give you full breakdowns. But you got to go to mybookie.ag after you listen to our show. Use our promo code Wayne in. Take some of our advice. Don't take our advice. But whatever you decide to do, just know that when you go to mybookie.ag, use our promo code Wayne in. They're going to give you a little extra spending cash on your first initial deposit. Did you hear that, John? You heard that, John. I know you did. I did hear that. First initial deposit. They are going to give you some extra spending cash on us when you use our promo code Wayne in. But the most important part is. Yes, is you only have to bet your winnings one time after you win because we know you're going to win if you take our advice. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm talking about. Because if you guys would have listened to me when I said Islam was going to sub Charles Oliveira and he was going to make it look easy, well, guess what? You would have ran home with a lot of cash in your pocket if you'd listen to me, not John. But (laughs) that's it, mybookie.ag. Use our promo code Wayne in. All right, well, hey, let's go ahead. What we're going to do is we're going to give you weighing in on the odds. But as we do that, we're going to go through fight by fight, break down the weighing in on the odds with every fight that goes along. So just pay attention, follow along, go to mybookie.ag, check out what the odds are. We're going to go ahead and pull those odds up for you as well. And we're just going to talk about the fight first and how we break it down. Then we're going to go to the odds and give you a little help on how we would potentially bet this fight. And what I mean by that, it doesn't mean that... If I say, hey, I think Izzy is going to win, but then I turn around and say, hey, I'm going to bet on Pahea, it's because the odds are so good that I may potentially bet on him to make a little extra money. If he's the underdog and he's got a great chance of winning, I may take the other fighter and go out on a limb and try that. Or I'll take the over-under on that fighter, saying that I think this fighter, because he has the knockout power, will get it done in three versus five. 
So just keep that in mind when you guys are listening to us um, talk about the odds. Doesn't always mean that we don't think that that fighter is not going to win. It just means that we just think that the odds are so good the other way to put a little extra cash down, 20 bucks, 40 bucks, 50, 80, whatever it is you want. You can make a lot more money doing it that way because that fighter has a, a good chance of winning in different ways. All right. Let's go ahead and start. You want to start right from the main event, John? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Come absolutely. On. So let's go with Izzy, uh, Izzy versus Alex Pahea. John, to me, I really believe the two wins will potentially work against Alex in this fight. I think that he doesn't have enough cage experience. I know he's got some good wins in the cage. I don't think he has enough cage experience. It, it's starting to feel like home. But I don't think it feels like home, like Izzy's home. Is Izzy, this thing feels like it's his castle. He walks into that cage and he realizes, this is my home. If you want this thing, you're going to have to kill me to get it. And I think that he feels so comfortable within the confinements of that cage. I don't know if Alex has the tools. I know he's got the weapons in terms of the he's power of the, the kickboxing. He's got those. I don't know if he has enough experience to get that thing done against someone who's been in there that many times and had success. I agree with you 100%. And here's this is the breakdown of it. And people are say, but Alex has knocked him out before. <laughs> You're right. I know he has. I've watched the fight too many times. But that's kickboxing. <laughs> and and here's just as... as quick as i can say it you know if you get into a clinch in kickboxing especially glory it is immediate the referee's coming in and separating you well they're gonna get into a clinch in here and izzy works very well in the clinch in mma and no one's gonna be separating him for quite a while if it even happens based upon the you know activity of what's going on this is not a kickboxing match, and people need to figure this out. Yes, Alex has a win, has wins over Izzy. He knocked him out, all that stuff. That was in a different sport. And when you're taking a look at Israel Adesanya and what he's done in MMA, he's been fantastic. Now he's had some he's had some great fights where he looked just incredible. And he's had some fights where he did not look good at all. He was not exciting at all. It was not what the buildup brought you and you thought you were going to get. It, it, it fizzled. It, it was a dud. But he got the win. And he's a very smart fighter when it comes to MMA. And the fact that he has all of these tools to use, and if you're going to take a look, look, Izzy is, is very good with his defensive wrestling. He's not going to really have to worry about it too much. I don't think with Alex Bahia, but his offensive wrestling is not bad either. He can take somebody down if he wants. And I think he's going to try to mix it up a little bit to just at least make Bahia realize, Hey, this isn't kickboxing. I will put you on your back and I will try to work in that position to damage you. And it's not like Alex is going to be a guy that is, you know, throwing up submissions. He's not going to be dangerous off of his back. The best that he can do off of his back is one of two things. Try to throw strikes, throw punches, throw elbows, or try to get yourself back to your feet so you can use that power that you have, and he does have power. I don't think this is going to be the fight that most people believe it's going to be. I think yeah. most people believe it's going to be this kickboxing match back and forth. 
I don't see it. I think Izzy is too smart. I think his coach, Berriman, is too smart. They understand who they're up against. They understand the strength of it, and they understand I have too many variables that I can use in this form of fighting compared to what we were using when we were kickboxing. And it's not like there's a giant difference between the two in the kickboxing. Josh, you know anybody can get knocked out in a boxing match, in a kickboxing match, in an MMA fight. It can happen. All it takes is one shot placed in the right spot, and it happens. Do I think it's going to be on Izzy's mind? No. He's been there too many times. He's had too many professional fights to let that bother him. The guy's a champion for a reason. Intellectually, fight IQ-wise, he's very smart. He may not always be exciting, but I'll tell you what, he knows what he's doing and he knows what he wants to do in that cage. And many times he is exciting. I'm not too sure again if I if this is going to be one of those exciting fights. I think he's going to slow this fight down. And I think that's a smart way of him beating Alex Bahia in this MMA matchup. We're going to see, but you know, I look at it. Everyone's jumping on this whole thing that, you know, Alex has knocked him out and he's going to be able to do it four ounce gloves. It doesn't work that way. John, this is for Pahea, right? There's a lot of things he needs to consider, and this is what you were talking about. He needs to consider that Izzy may try to get a takedown. Doesn't yep. mean he's going to shoot a double leg. Doesn't mean no. he's going to press him to the fence and drop down on the legs and try to lift him and take him down. It means that he's going to try to get him maybe potentially in the clinch, try to just suck a leg out, break his balance, and maybe try to put his push foot his head sweeps. down. Foot sweeps. All of those little things in a Muay Thai type clinch. The other thing that kind of that Izzy's hasn't had to really deal with that people kind of forget how John Jones got away with for so long. He's never had to really fight someone his size. Yes. Pahea's the same size as Izzy. Normally people oh, yeah. are a lot smaller. Normally people are a lot smaller than than Izzy, like shorter in stature or not twice yep. not quite as long. All of those things. That's gonna play a factor. You go back to the first fight with Gus and Big and and uh John Jones. That became a problem because John was always so used to just putting his hand, his palm out there and like big brother, big brother in you. Yep. Yeah, just putting his hand on your forehead and you couldn't hit him because he was so long. He had a hard time in that fight. Now, later on, he came back and got rid of Gus, you know, pretty early in the second fight. But in that in that first fight, he was really going through some adversity in that fight because he had never had to fight someone who was as tall, who was as long, who obviously learned how to defend takedowns and who would and take him a, down and would take him down that changes the way that you fight now Pahea is going to have to potentially deal with Izzy maybe trying to take him down but Pahea is going to or Izzy's going to now have to potentially deal with Pahea being as tall as long big in stature just like him that's something both of these guys are going to have to deal with they're going to have to figure it out when they get in there that could make it an interesting battle back and forth but like you said, it could also kind of make it a little bit of a boring fight. Could one's be. afraid to do something. One's afraid to try and do something because they don't want to open each other up. Now, this is where I lay on the – this is kind of where like, I lie on this is that with Gil and I, when we fought, we had already trained together, but we had already fought twice in our third fight. But our first three fights, we picked up where we left off in training. These guys, I don't know if they've ever trained together, but they fought each other twice. They know each other pretty well. Yeah. You would think that they would pick up kind of where they left off and have a great fight. You would think. But the smaller gloves really opens yourself up to get hit a lot more. So there's probably an opportunity for them to take less chances because they know 
The other one's a sniper. They're both snipers on the feet. We've seen both of them. Just look what look what Pahed did to uh, Sean Strickland. Strickland. Sean Strickland. That was nasty. And look what Izzy's done to so many guys. Just bop, bop, Look what he bop, did to Robert just, Whitaker. Yes. I mean, I just, mean that the, the hook that he hit Robert Whitaker with in the first fight that put him down in a way. I mean, stepping back, Josh, leaning back and mm -hmm. comes. You just don't see guys having that amount of tools that they can actually use and be dangerous with. You know, look, when it comes to the striking, they're both outstanding, you know. But I think the big difference is going to be time in the cage, experience mm -hmm. in the cage. And if Bahia is trying to knock Izzy out, that's not a good way of going about this fight. You know knockouts happen when you're just touching, not when you're trying. Yeah, yeah, yep. All right, well, hey, we're going to go to Wayne on the odds by mybookie.ag. Make sure you guys use our promo code when you guys are checking these odds out. If you guys are interested in putting a bet in, go to mybookie.ag. Use that promo code Wayne in. They're going to give you a little extra spending cash. But let's go right into the Pahea and Izzy uh, situation. What are the odds at there, Dave? Odds are Do you see my, minus well, 204, there you go. meaning that Izzy is the favorite. He is 204, minus 204, while Alex Pahea is a plus 158. The over-under on the rounds at 4.5, meaning you've got to get into that last round. It's a plus 105 for the under and a minus 133 for the over. It's interesting. You know, John, I'm gonna if I'm gonna take a bet on this, I'm not gonna bet, I'm not gonna bet Pahea to win, but I'm gonna bet, I'm gonna probably bet on the under. Just for me, I believe that if it is going to go, I think one of them could potentially end up getting knocked out because every round starts on the feet in five rounds and one of them could. And and I don't think if Izzy does wrestle, he's not trying to wrestle all five rounds. No. He's just trying to make him think about the takedown early in the fight. Make so him he, have to deal with it. So it slows him down just a tiny bit on his reactions to throwing his punches, his kicks, all of those things. So if that's the case... Izzy could potentially knock out Pahea, and Pahea could still potentially knock out Izzy on the feet with the small gloves. So I'm going to say that this has a chance of going the distance, but if if it's under four and a half, I'm going to go ahead and bet the plus the the plus 105, I think is what it says. Yep, on the under. So I'm going to take the under if I'm going to do that. In terms of winning, it's such a close fight. And like I said, we haven't seen quite enough yet of Pahea in that cage for me to really go, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and take Izzy for the, what is it, minus 205. I'm going to go bet 205 to win a hunt. No, nah, no thanks. I haven't seen enough yet of Alex yet to see how he is in the cage with the small gloves against a top-level striker. But then again, these guys have a history. Do I want to bet the plus 158? Probably not because both of them know each other so well. So I'm going to probably avoid on that situation, but I am going to take the under. I think somebody will eventually get caught. Under the four and a half. It, it's a, like you said, there's there's so many variables here. Mm -hmm. I honestly believe that I would take the over. I think it's going to go the distance. I don't think anyone's oh, getting wow. knocked out. I would actually go with the minus 133 with the over, and I hate doing that when it's only two and a half minutes of time. <laughs> yeah. Because really, you know, but I do think, I think this is going to go the distance. So that's where I would mm -hmm. go with it. And if I was going to take one fighter over the other, like I said, I've, I've watched Alex Pahea fight too many times in kickboxing. He is outstanding. He's a stud. He is big. Like you, you're saying, he's going to be bigger 
than Israel Adesanya, I believe. When they go into that cage, he'll be bigger as far as height, which is unusual, and he will be heavier than Izzy. He just naturally is a bigger guy. But I think Izzy is smart enough he's going to get the win. I don't think I would want to go the minus 204, though, to bet on that. No. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think the the speed will play a factor with the smaller gloves for Izzy, so he'll be able to get to the chin a little bit faster. Does he have the power to knock Pahea out with the small gloves? Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Does Pahea, can Pahea get to his chin and, and break through the guard to hit him? If you look back at some of Izzy's fights, he's hittable. He's yeah. hittable. So Pahea's going to figure him out, I think, as the fight goes on. But in the back of his mind, he'll always be thinking, am I going to get into the clinch? Am I going to get taken down? All those things is a split second of hesitation is all Izzy will need with his speed advantage, I think, to get in there and touch the chin. So, like, I, I agree with you. I'm not taking probably the two, what, the minus 204. I'm not betting that. Yeah. I'm going to avoid that one. All right. And let's go to the co-main event. Carla Esparza versus Li Zhang. Man, this is uh, Carla Esparza's first defense of her title for the second time. She's had the, mm -hmm. the title now twice, but this is her first defense, and this is not an easy fight at all. You're talking, you know, Whaley is just super strong, super athletic, very fast, and the real question here is, can Carla utilize her grappling, her wrestling ability to slow Whaley down, put her on her back, and make it to where she has to work hard to get herself either up or to defend against what Carla does, because Carla's got very good ground and pound. And you know, we, when we talk about ground and pound, it is a skill set. Not every fighter has it. She does. She understands how to use it. She's very good with it. I look at this though, and there's one way that Carla can win this fight. There's many ways that Wei Li can win this fight. That right there tells me who I think is the favorite in this. I think Wei Li is just a physically more gifted fighter. I think that Carla has her her points. I think she's the better wrestler here. But Wei Li is not bad with her wrestling. She is very good with her hands, and she's super strong. She's very good at getting herself up off of the ground. Now, can she be hurt? She can be hurt. But if there's the, the weakest part of Carla's game is her striking. She doesn't have a ton of power in her shots when she's on her feet. It's not where she looks comfortable in the fight. It's not that she's not proficient with it. She's proficient with it, but not against someone like Wei Li when it comes to the stand-up. You've seen Wei Li with people, you know, any MMA math does not work because Carlos Barza obviously has two wins against Rose Nama Yunus, who has two wins against Wei Li Zhang. Wei Li Zhang has two wins against... You know, Joanna Janjacek, while Carla Sparza lost her title the first time to her, and, you know, Joanna had a great performance and just, you know, took that oh. easily from her. But MMA math doesn't work. But in this situation, I look at it and I think Whaley has too many, too many variables that go in her direction as far as ways for her to win this, where Carla really has to be that smothering wrestling attack, bring her to the ground start to wear her down with the ground and pound, and I'm not sure she can do that over five rounds. What I look for when I'm looking at this fight is in history of watching Carla Esparza fight, when she struggles to get the takedown, 
it's a snowball effect. Yes. She starts moving backwards. She starts taking big shots. If she can't get a takedown early in this fight and control the rest of that round, she's going to have a really rough fight for five rounds if it goes five rounds. If it goes there, yeah. I agree. And she's a phenomenal fighter. And like you said, MMA math doesn't add up, but it has to do with getting the takedown early and often and controlling that top position, breaking that fighter down. But we've also seen with Wei Lee, it's hard to break her. Look at her first was her first fight with with Joanna. She dug deep yep. in that fight. She lost, She got her butt kicked, I think, for the first two, two and a half rounds, came back and ended up winning that fight. Especially that second round. She was yeah. in trouble. And then you, she made some adjustments. She came out, and she really put her her pedal to the floor and just ga- just gassed on it, man. She just started touching her, started putting in little, putting in little chips, whether it was kicks, whether it was boxing where there was a little bit of grinding on her against the fence she can mix it up like everywhere once you realize if you only have one weapon like carlos bar carlos barza has with the takedowns and the ground and pound two weapons i guess <laughs> if you right. if you only have those two and it doesn't start going your way you start putting added pressure on yourself realizing shit i can't strike with her i don't really have the power to knock her out and then Whaley just stops respecting you and starts walking you down, realizing that she knows the takedown's coming. I can stuff your takedown, make you give you space, let my hands and my kicks go. And also working with um Henry Cejudo. Her last yep. camp, I think I think she's still there working with him now, making these little adjustments. All of those things being said, I think that she's gonna be very prepared for the wrestling part of it. And when that doesn't go Carla's way, it's gonna be a tough night. It's gonna yep, be a tough, I tough agree. night. Pull up the odds on this. We'll go weighing in on the odds for the championship fight between Carla Esparza and Weili Zhang. Looking at a, and it says it right here, you know, Weili Zhang minus 400. She is the favorite, even though she is the challenger. She's not the champion. She is a minus 400, while Carla Esparza is a plus 283. Mm-hmm. Look, I think Weili Zhang is definitely going to win this fight. I hate putting that much money down, but I would put the 400 to win 100. I don't believe that Carla has the skill set to go all the rounds she needs to go with Whaley in this. If you're looking at the over-under, it is a minus 120 for the under at 4.5. It is an over of minus 105. If I was going to bet this fight, I would bet that under at minus 120. Yeah. I believe that it will not go into the fifth round. And I think this is a fight that uh, it's going to be a, it's going to yeah. be a new champion coming out. I could be wrong. Yeah. yeah. And I love Carlos bars. I want to say that right now. I hate, you know, when, when she was going to fight Joanna the first time I was like, man, that's just not a good style matchup for her. Yeah. A hard, and, and I look at this fight. It's the same thing. It's just yeah. not a good stylistic matchup. But she's proved me wrong as far as, you know, her, her win against Rose Namajunas the second time. I thought Rose was going to win that fight. She got it. It was not a good fight by either fighter, but she got the win, and that's all it takes. So, Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do the same thing that you're doing. I'm going to go the minus 400. I probably bet 400, maybe 800. You know, and come couple. up a little bit, yeah. or I'd probably come in say six, seven hundred dollars at the minus one twenty. You know, and uh, 
and go from there. <clears throat> if that's the case, I'm, I mean, I would probably start betting on Whaley. Uh, heavy numbers. If if you feel confident enough, and now look, fighting anything can happen. Yep. Whaley could tear her knee. No, knock on wood that she doesn't. Whaley could. We've Whaley had enough. We've shoot. had enough injuries that have stopped yeah. fights recently. So absolutely. You know, and then Whaley could shoot in on a double leg, or Carla could shoot in a double leg, and you know, and fall back on something. I don't know. We just Whaley could end up getting caught fighting. in guillotine. Well, yeah, exactly. This is a fight. This is a fight game. But I look at the way that Whaley fought. Uh, Jessica Andrade, if she fights her that way and just tries to bully her around, press her to the fence, elbow her back, punches, knees, combinations, those type of things in the history of watching Carla fight, she gets flustered, She the striking, she's not quite comfortable on her feet. She has gotten a lot better yes, since those fights in the past. She's gotten yes, she a lot has. better, but she still gets a little flustered on the feet when she's getting barraged with, say, two, three, four-punch combinations. Elbow, you mix in elbows and knees, and it starts just taking taking away her advantage of trying to get down on a takedown. Because if the knees come and the elbows come and all of those things are coming, don't know where the strike's coming from. You really don't want to drop your your hips and shoot in on a double leg. That potentially gets you caught with a knee up the middle, uppercuts, whatever it is. I look at this fight, and I'm probably betting you know six, seven hundred, eight hundred dollars probably on the minus four hundred for Whaley to win. And then I'm probably betting five to six hundred dollars on the under because I think Whaley's going to probably finish her. Yep. And I, I'm a big fan of Carla. She's an absolute amazing person. Absolutely yeah, amazing. And just like you said, the one way, the just the one avenue for her to really get this fight done for five rounds against someone who we have seen, and we've seen her dig deep as well. But with Whaley, we've seen her dig deep after getting pieced up for two rounds. And having to find ways, every little avenue to win, to win this fight, and she was able to do it against Joanna. Tough fight, you know. Um, but yeah, all right. Well, that's weighing in on the odds. Use our promo code weighing in for the co-main event. Now we're gonna go right into the fight that everyone has been talking about, big time. I would say this fight's got more press than all the other fights, all the other fights on the card. I think it has, which is like it's saying a lot. You people sit there and talk all they want. Michael Chandler has come into the UFC and he has done exactly what they wanted him to do. He came in, he stirred things up. He has talked very well. He has made great, you know, great interview moments that have stuck in people's minds. This whole thing, you know, I'll see you at the top is a great thing. He's had some heat with Dustin Poirier. Then they kind of, you know, I, you know, DC had him on his show and had him like talking and they were both being kind to each other. It's going to be a fight where both guys, in the end, they know what they're facing. It doesn't matter whether they have heat or not. It doesn't matter whether they like each other or not. What matters is who in this fight has the, the, the aptitude to be smart, to, to fight a smart fight. And it sure the, the hell ain't Chandler. Well, this is, this is the, I think this <laughs> is the guy, whole thing. When that guy can't fight smart if it save his physically, life. Physically, look at physically, Michael Chandler, yeah. I think, is maybe a little bit better than Dustin Poirier as far as speed, strength, all those things. Michael Chandler's got it. He is a strong individual. He is well-conditioned. Dustin is well-conditioned also. I think Dustin has a bigger gas tank because he manages his fight better than Chandler does when it's tough. He's, he gets those moments where he takes a break. Chandler shows his moments 
when he needs a break. You watch him bouncing back, and he's trying to he'll gain space a little bit. Yeah, yeah. step back and bounce around. And he get his bounces breath. around to get you to like, oh, well, he's catching his breath in those moments. I really look at this. If I was going to say, look, who is the person, you know, physically that should win this fight? It's Michael Chandler. If I look at this and say, who's the person as an MMA fighter putting everything together, body, mind, everything, it's Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier is the smarter fighter. Dustin Poirier has, he handles the fight in a fashion that's better. Now, the, but the one thing I want to say in this is, in a three-round fight, there is a difference in fighting Michael Chandler than there is in a five-round fight. Yep. If this was a five-round fight, I would say I take Dustin Poirier all day, all day long. In a three-round fight, though, you could have Michael Chandler winning this fight because he, again, physically, he is a talented fighter. He is <clears throat> physically strong. He is fast. He's got power in his hands. There's things that match up in this fight that I look and I go, Chandler does have a very wide stance. Dustin Poirier does a very good job at throwing that low calf kick out there and attacking that front leg. I think he's going to attack Chandler's front leg. But this is a fight that could go either way. Based upon it being three rounds, I think it does favor. The three rounds favors Chandler where the five rounds would have favored Poirier. But... You know, you take a look, and both these guys are just outstanding fighters. You know, I, I love watching both of them. That's why I think it's a great, great fight. John, that was the biggest bullshit cop out PC <laughs> shit I've ever seen. You basically just pushed. You pushed. I didn't push. That's I, what you did. I you pushed. I, no, I'm it's very simple. I'm picking Dustin Poirier to win this fight. Uh, I thought you just said Chandler in three rounds. No, I said three round the fight. three rounds favors him. Oh, I'm still okay. picking. Okay. I. Everything I do, every every fight I look at, I got. I always look and say, physically, who's more talented? But mentally, who's the smarter fighter? And I, you could take a look at Dustin's fight, especially his you know second, third fights. The first one showed exactly what I'm talking about. Dustin did not fight a smart fight against Conor McGregor. He went out there. He wanted to knock him out. Look at what he did in the second fight and the third fight by fight. By being smart, by having enough maturity to say, I don't need to get into that, you know, gunslinging battle right now. This is how I'm going to win the fight. Mike can be drawn into the gunslinging battle because Mike wants to be exciting. Mike wants the fans to talk about his fights. And that's okay. As long as you're okay with possibly losing because you look at his fight with Justin Gaethje. No. Mike had all kinds of opportunities to utilize a skill set that he's better at than Justin and never did. You know, he did it once it was the fight was basically out of his hands. Mm -hmm. And you can't fight that way. You've got to fight the fight that will lead you to victory. You got to be smart. You got to be smart throughout it. And it's not that Mike's not a smart person. It's just at times he doesn't fight smart. And I've watched him too many times get into these gunslinging battles because he kind of likes it that's why i picked dustin all right um i think there's a couple ways to look at this fight dustin poirier i agree with you is i think obviously the smarter fighter when he gets in that cage his mm -hmm. fight iq is a lot better what scares me about dustin 
is that he is a slow starter. This is true. He will sometimes give away. And Chandler is a fast starter. And Chandler is a fast starter. So when we're talking about, look, and you hit it right on the nail on the head. This fight definitely favors Chandler in a three-round fight. No doubt about it. Chandler, though, finds ways to not find not to not fight smart. He will keep this on the feed. He will, instead of wrestling and utilizing that pedigree of which he is really good, yep. and he is nasty when he gets on top. He's got yeah. vicious elbows, nasty ground and pound, short and stocky, hard to get off of you because of his stat his his, his height and stature. He just, if you, I don't know if you ever had somebody that's short like that, like Volkanovsky. I used to train with another guy named Justin Wilcox. Same thing. They're just, he's so small and so strong. You kick them back and they just hit the ground and bounce back on top of you. There's nothing you can do to really get them off of you. And that's why a lot of people, when they're talking about Volkanovsky and Islam, always going to have a hard time holding him down because he's so small, this and that. Chandler's the same way from the bottom as well as from the top. Nasty elbows. He is, he has, he throws everything with bad intention, which is also something that works against him in a five round fight. Absolutely. You go back and watch his first Benson fight in that rounds four and five. He was sucking wind. He was surviving. He yep. was surviving in those rounds. This is one of those fights in a three round fight. I'm going to lean. Like I agree with you. I'm going to lean towards Chandler in a three round fight, but I'm also going to take Dustin because I think if Dustin fights smart, he lets Chandler. He puts pressure on Chandler, puts Chandler in uncomfortable situations, keeps his defense high, and just touches him with the boxing. I think you're going to see another fight how how Gaethje and Chandler fought, but Dustin's going to make it look easier and he's going to make it look smoother because Dustin's the more refined boxer slash kickboxer, whatever you want to call it. I think those leg kicks will play a factor. Chandler has a hard time with leg kicks. He's always had a hard time with leg kicks. He, he has got calf. He has got a little bit better, but I'm surprised not a lot of guys have really tried to go to the well on his calf. His calf, he's weak in those areas, but Dustin's also southpaw, so that inside leg kick will be there. But where also Chandler's weak is the body kicks. He doesn't handle them very well. He keeps his elbows up high. His hands are always out out wide. His elbows are up high. And that southpaw stance goes right to the body kick. As well as when he starts to get to the body, starts to drop the elbow and the head kick is there. All of those things lead to potentially him getting in a lot of trouble if he doesn't try to press Chandler, or not Chandler, but Dustin to the fence, try to get the takedowns, control Dustin underneath them where he's outside of that range. No one's been able to ever submit Michael Chandler. He's never been submitted. He is a dog in there. If if Dustin thinks he's going to get him in that Armin guillotine, defending the takedown that way, you may have another thing coming, man. I know you have a great Armin guillotine. I've seen it. We've saw it with Habib. We've seen it with other fighters. He's phenomenal. But Chandler's one of those guys, he he will go to sleep or he will gut it out all the way through trying to get that thing off. He will let you rip his neck off. He's one of those kind of guys. Yep. So, like I said, I'm going to go back to what you were saying. I favor Chandler in a three-round fight because it's ta- those type of fights are tailor-made for him. But then I go back into Dustin. If he gets a, a decent first-round start, he's able to kind of sneak that round or make it close so one or two judges will give it to him. I give it to, obviously, I think Dustin's going to win this fight. Just all the tools, the weapons, all of those things. And Chandler's just been known to be the dumbest fighter in there when it comes to his fight IQ. Like, he could make these fights 
so easy for himself. And I know he's getting paid well. I respect that. I love that. And I know the fact is he's already brought it up in several of his his um interviews. He came here to be exciting because he wants people to remember his fights. But the well, problem is they were gonna re- they're gonna remember your fight, but they're also gonna remember that you lost that fight. I look back, that's exactly how I fought the the second fight with Gil. I didn't care how the fight and how it all ended up. Obviously, I wanted to win. I wanted to have fun out there because I had been out for 16, 17 months, you know, after defending my title the first time, you know, I had fought someone else and came back and Gil was my second fight. It was just one of those fights. I was like, fucking, let's do this. I had so much anxiety going in there. Excitement, I should say. And I wanted to just let it all out. Chandler has that going on for him right now and it doesn't always work out in terms of winning people will remember it but at the in the back of your mind Chandler later on down in life you're gonna be damn I wish I would have won that fight though that's what it goes through my mind great fight obviously to me is one of the most exciting fights in my in my history in terms of for my my career but I lost and that's how I remember that fight now I remember it that way when I first came off of it I was like oh it was a great fight. Yeah, everyone's talking about it. But at the end of the day, in history, I lost. And that bugs me still to this day because I was like, shit. If I would have fought a little bit smarter, if I would have done it this way, I knew I had him rocked there. I had him. Those are things I think later on down the line that Chandler's going to think about. Let's go to Wayne in on the odds at mybookie.ag. Use that promo code Wayne in if you're the first for your first initial deposit. If you're first going to mybookie.ag using our promo code, the first time they will give you some extra spending cash. Chandler, what do you got the odds on? John, I can't read it because it's not big enough. Chandler is a plus 166, while Dustin Poirier is a minus 217 for this fight. So the odds makers are saying that Dustin Poirier is the favorite. I do believe, like you, Dustin starts slow. And I did. I looked at it figuring Mm -hmm. he's going to win the second and third round. I do think it's going to go the distance. I don't think either fighter is going to get rid of the other. The under on this is a minus 101 for a round and a half so that's the midway point and it's a minus 225 for the over i would go the over with the minus 225 125 minus 125 i'm sorry 125 i can't read (laughs) yeah minus 125 so very close as far as minus 101 for the over minus 125 uh for the over as far as uh it going 101 for the under i look at and and i think this is definitely going to go past that midway point if you're going to get a finish in this possibly in the third you've already covered that i go with i would bet at minus 125 for the over this is the one thing i'm going to say in this is that i I probably not going to bet the over or the under if i was going to bet it i would take the over because both of them are dog dirt tough they're fucking these guys hard to get rid of a good fighter they've made their career off of being just dogs you know i mean they're fantastic fighters, fantastic fighters. But I'm going to take the over. They're both going to take a lot of punishment in that first round into the second round. I don't think anyone's going to get knocked out. But I also think if I'm going to bet on this, though, in a three-round fight, I'm going to bet on Michael Chandler at the plus what, 156 or 166? 166. 166. What is with these weird odds? I don't know. Can we, can we just go 165 or 170? Yeah. Yeah, we just well, go 170, 165. We're, give we're me putting this down whatever. to the Nats ass, baby. The cult yeah. odds, not evens. Yes, man. Give me something. Anyway. Very true. All right. So at plus, at plus 166 in a three round fight, Michael Chandler could potentially win this fight. I'd probably put 100 bucks oh, down. Yeah. 
I'll put 100 bucks down. You know, on Michael Chandler. Now, like I said, I have Dustin winning this fight. But in a three-round fight, but Chandler I could, could definitely win it. But Chandler could definitely win this in a three-round fight at plus 166. I'll take those odds. Put 100, put 200 down, you know, come out on top. That's something I would be looking at in that bet there. I'll be taking that bet. And I'm definitely taking the over because they're both just savages. Definitely taking the over. All right, let's go. Let's go. Next fight. Next fight, we got the man, the myth, the legend, the guy fighting his last fight, which is sad, but I'm happy for him. Frankie Edgar taking on Chris Gutierrez. In this one, Chris Gutierrez is a good fighter. Frankie has been there, done it all. You know, beat BJ Penn three times. I mean, what can you say other than Frankie Edgar has been a savage his entire career, fought, won as a lightweight, won the world title, fought as a featherweight, fought as a bantamweight. This is a this is his last uh, fight. It will be at bantamweight. Um, you know, he's gotten older, and we've seen him get knocked out, you know, a couple of times with some uh, – a vicious knee by Corey Sanhagen, a vicious front kick by Cheeto Vera. Uppercut by Ben uh, uh Brian Ortega. Brian Ortega, that was the that was the first one. I think that was the first one we saw him that get was, knocked out. That's the very first one. You know, and uh it's this is what happens when you know you've been fighting as long as Frankie and you get to that forty year old mark. It's tough. But Chris Gutierrez is a good fighter, and he's a, he's a tough guy. I do look at Frankie as having the, the advantage in this just based upon experience, toughness, and it being his last fight. I look at he's got a very good chance of walking away with a, with a win and, and walking out of that cage for the last time yeah. uh, with his hand raised. I, I'd like to see the odds, you know, to see what they're going to say. I would say that Frankie is uh, – I don't know if they're going to make him the favorite based upon his prior performances. I'm going to push all that nonsense aside. <laughs> yeah, let's go. And I'm just going to say that he, we are losing one of the greatest fighters in yep. MMA history. That's one. And we are losing one of the, we are not losing him as a person, but we're, we're losing him out of the sport inside that cage. Well, it's one, one of the most phenomenal human beings I've ever met in my life. Yeah. He is fantastic. He is a great person. If you ever get an opportunity to talk to him, meet with him or anything like that, walk right up to him and just say hi. He is so personable. He is the greatest damn person. One of the greatest people I've ever met in my life. His family is amazing. His kids are amazing. His wife's amazing. All the guys that I've ever met through him have been absolutely fantastic, except for fucking Ali. He's a big pain in my ass. He's <laughs> first time I ever met Ali was fucking with Frankie Edgar and yeah. fucking like curse Frankie Edgar every day since for the then. day <laughs> for the day it was all day, day too he introduced me no uh, Ali's my boy man I love to poke a little fun at him um I look at Frankie as a, this he's put in a ton of work he's done everything he's supposed to do in this fight I think he's gonna end up getting I think he'll end up walking away as a winner. It's not going to be easy though. I don't think. I think it's going to be a tougher fight than most people are thinking. They're thinking, looking, right. going, yeah, UFC's giving a fight. He could walk off no, and no, win. No, no, no. no, no, no. He's no. going to have to no. dig deep in this fight. He is not the Frankie Edgar that beat BJ Penn. He's not no. the Frankie Edgar, you know, that's fought all the other top level guys in the world. The other thing too, when he, he fought at lightweight, he was the faster fighter, had more output, would just work people to death. 
and the lightweights just couldn't keep up with him. Then he went to 45, and he was able to still kind of do that. He had a hard time with Jose, but the speed and the power was a little bit, but the speed was faster for them, and that's where he started to lose a little bit of his advantage because he was always the faster fighter at 55. Now you get to 35, and they're just lightning fast. And some of them now in that top level in the Bantamweight division, which is the most stacked division in the whole sport right now, if you look at the UFC's Bantamweight division, fucking stacked. You look at Bellator's Bantamweight division, stacked. And I don't even want to talk about one because those are just killers that no one's ever heard of. They're all just fucking killers of that weight. That all the truth? Muay Thai guys, all the Jiu-Jitsu guys, all the guys they have over there, just stone-cold killers in the 135-pound weight class. So this weight class is stacked across the board. And you have Frank Yeager, who's been around for the longest time, but he's also 40 years old and then slowing down. This is going to be a tough fight for him. And as you get older, the young guys are getting stronger and they're fast. And the timing is everything. And so Frankie's going to have to be very patient with this fight. He's going to have to utilize his opportunities to get those takedowns, control the top position, try to get a finish from there. On the feet, he's going to have to outpoint him for the three rounds. You know, potentially touch him up in some in some scenarios where he could get an easier takedown and dominate from the top position. But I think I'm going to, obviously I'm going to lean towards Frankie. This is a very winnable fight for him, but it's not as easy as no. I think people are thinking it's going to be. Let, let's be honest. Chris Gutierrez has done very well in the UFC. Yeah. He's got some good wins. I think what his last uh, last loss, I think, was against uh, what, Barcelos, who used wrestling. I think he got a rear naked mm -hmm. choke mm -hmm. to get that win against him and stuff. But you take a look and you go, man, Frankie needs to wrestle in this. He, he needs to put himself in positions yeah. where... He's not having his chin out there to be touched because, you know, it's not the same chin as it used to be. Nope. And uh, he needs to protect himself in this fight by being the guy that's in the top position. He's got beautiful ground and pound. He's got great positioning when he is on the ground. He knows how to keep the fight there. So let's take a look at the odds. We'll see where it's at. Well, John, in these situations, right, he needs to take an Andre Arlovsky approach. Yeah, he needs to change the way he fights normally and stick it on the outside using his speed to get in and get out. He's got to get away from that a little bit. He's got well, to get the, in, get into the clinch, foot sweeps, all those things that keep you in close the, so you can't utilize the power. His fight against Yair Rodriguez. Look at what he did. Yair yeah. was lighting everyone, take, took him down, great ground and pound, and that's that's what I think he needs to do in this. All right, taking a look. Yeah, Chris Gutierrez is the favorite in this fight. He's a minus 222, which saying a lot. Frankie, it comes in at a plus 171. The over, which is a two and a half on this, meaning it has to go into the third round halfway through it, is a minus 58. And the under is a plus 124 for that two and a half. I'm taking Frankie Edgar at 171. I'm just taking him. I, I'm not saying that Chris Gutierrez can't beat him. I know he can He's a good fighter. I think Frankie's going to pull it out. It's just my belief in him as a a person, as a fighter. I could be wrong, but at 171, I can't go against him. Yeah, uh, I don't bet on my friends, so I'm not going to give know. anybody advice on how to bet on my friends because I don't want them to shit on me for, hey, you said this. Um, <laughs> I just I don't do that. So it's uh, I also don't want. I feel like it's bad juju. I'm not bad gonna, juju. It's not bad, bad juju. juju. But it's okay. Um, yep. 
uh, the next fight. This is this to me is going to be a good fight, but it's going to be a telltale fight for Dan Hooker against uh, Claudio Bohel. How do you say? Puelas. 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 That's what I was looking yeah. for. John, I think that Puelas has the he the has tools all... that he needs that that works against Dan Hooker. His yeah. grappling, his transitions, his smoothness, yep. the way he goes from the feet to the ground, the ground to the feet. He's a nasty, nasty young fighter who's coming yeah. up. And, th- like, Dan Hooker's got an opportunity to start him on the feet, maybe do some ground and pound if he hits the ground and get out and away. Don't hang out on the bo- on, the, on the ground with him too long because we, we can see Puelas getting some some great trans- some great transitions into the submissions and get keeping Dan stuck down there trying to avoid those submissions. That's not a place Dan Hooker wants to be. He needs to keep it on the feet. Utilize his reach and his range. I don't know how much of a big, how much of an advantage he'll have in reach and range. A little but bit, th- not, not uh, a I think possibly a little bit. But I think Puelas is the better, like all around fighter than Dan Hooker. But Dan Hooker's got the the more extensive, high level competition fights. So I'm gonna lean towards Puelas though, just to be honest, because Dan's Dan's coming off how many losses? Five. <sighs> Can you look, say, can you hit, click out, on of, out of his oh. out of his last, you know, five in a row. He had one in there. Oh, he had a win, win on the. And that was, you know, that, but he was able to keep that as a stand-up fight because oh. he, Hesperat, he likes to it's fight, tough. you know, in the same you know position. Yeah. So, I don't know. I look at this and I, I agree with you. I think that uh, Puelas has got a very good chance. He does need to, in my opinion, if he can get the fight to the ground. Yeah, that's where his advantage lies. Uh, Hooker, he's not is, bad on the feet, John. He's not no, bad he's on not. the feet, but neither is Hooker. Yeah, that's true. And no, I he, no, I, he, I think Dan's got the advantage on the feet, exactly. but it's not as big so, of an advantage as people think. If you're looking at you know where where is it that this fight starts to really go in one fighter's direction, I think it's if Puelas can get Dan Hooker to the ground. He's got a very good submission game. He's very good at just creating problems for his opponent. So that was, if you're going to take a look at the odds in this, Dan Hooker is a favorite at minus 169, while Puelas is the underdog at plus 132. The over in this is a plus 106. The under at two and a half rounds is a minus 35. Actually, they're thinking that someone's going to end up uh, finishing this fight, so... Yeah, I'm going to take Puelas on this at the plus 132. And I think it's going to be a submission. They're going to get okay. caught up in some sort of tangle in the body and the clinch. And then he's going to end up either dropping down or he's going to get the takedown. He's going to end up in the transition in the in the scramble in the submissions. I think he catches him. I think he's going to end up catching him in the submission. It's possible. Whether it's a triangle, whether it's an arm bar, whether it's a Moplata or Kimura. I mean, all those things are available there. So I think he ends up, I think he ends up catching him. Uh, but if he doesn't catch him early, it's going to become a more difficult fight for him. So that's probably why they're saying that this thing may end up being under. I don't so. know. I, I look at it. I can see Puelas. He does go for leg locks at times. I can see him going for a leg lock on Dan Hooker. That does scare me because Hooker's got such length. He can reach out. He can use the hammer fist to uh, possibly hurt him. But I look at and I, I would do the same thing. I think uh, Claudio Puella. Polis is is a guy that he can win this fight, so that's the guy you know, I go with. The, but you have to take for me what I take into account is that 
coming off two losses, getting a win. They coming off two more losses. You're realizing that there's a lot of pressure on you to Fun. have to get a win, a ton. And when fighters start dropping more than two, some fighters have never lost more than two in a row, or more than one in a like they've one never fight. lost a second fight. Yeah, it's like just one fight I've lost. Okay, I've got my win back on track. I had never lost two fights in a row until towards the end of my career, and then I was dropping them left and right. It's fucking horrible. It's just the way it goes, right? I I never lost twice, you know, two times in a row, and then I dropped uh, three. I, I skipped two, went right to three in a row, and it's just one of those. It's all about the confidence, John. You and I talk about this. We've talked about this since we started this podcast. The confidence in that you see from fighters that are have won five, six, seven fights in a row versus fighters that have lost one or two in a row. It's like, oh shit, if I drop three, it's on their mind. UFC's gonna cut me or promotion's gonna, you know, next contract they're gonna try to dock my pay or they're gonna cut my contract in half. All of those things play a factor and it starts wearing in you mentally. And all the things you do in training doesn't seem like it's working. Doesn't seem like it's working as well as it used to. I used to be able to do this. I can't do it anymore. It's all about confidence. So Pulis right now coming in on confidence. I think he's going to end up. Uh, he's going to end up getting the win over this. It's going to be a well, tough fight, but I think he's going to get the win. What is it? He's, got, he's on what a five fight win streak right now. So I believe so. Yeah, mm -hmm. That's uh He's he should have that confidence behind him because five. Yep. Yeah. There you go. Who is his loss to? Oh, Martin Bravo. Martin Bravo. Isn't yeah, Bravo the one, the one that that fought Islam? Isn't Bravo the one that fought Islam Makachev a long, long time ago? Who's the one that he had his loss? He, that, I know. Oh, I, th I thought you said there was. A, what are one of the only three losses that that guy from uh, Italy had? Who's the kid that oh, fought he, Adam Piccolotti? Oh, uh, Barnawi? Barnawi? Yeah. Wasn't Bravo one of his losses? No. Oh, who was the yeah. one of his losses? It was Islam. Bushinger. Ivan Bushinger. Bushinger. Okay, sorry. Yeah. BB, but it all sounds Yeah, it's all the same. <laughs> <laughs> look, the one, the one difference is if you're going to look at who they fought, look, Apollos has fought some tough competition and guys like Clay Guida yeah. and stuff, but Dan Hooker has obviously fought the higher caliber yeah. of fighters overall in his career. He's got a lot more fights, but you take a look and you got to go, hey, you know, there comes that point where you got to make that step up, and this might be the one for Puelas. And coming off of five in a row, can he make it six in a row? We're going to find out. All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and run through. That's our weighing in on the odds. Let's run through the rest of the card. See what fights we uh, want to talk about here. Well, I go think ahead. you got you know Moicano, you know Hanato Carnero going against Brad Riddell. That's a great fight. Brad Riddell is an outstanding yeah. stand-up fighter coming out of City Boxing in uh, New Zealand. He's fun to watch. I think that where the difference in this is Carnero has got a good ground game. He is very good with his jiu-jitsu, but can mm -hmm. he get the fight there? We've seen where he has had fights where in the stand-up he starts accepting damage and he can't get the fight to the ground and then things the wheels start to come off the cart. He's looked good, you know, in his last couple. He took that one last uh last second fight, didn't go his way. But I think it's a great matchup between uh, Moicano and Brad Riddell. I think it's going to be a fun one to watch. Yeah, I'm going to take Brad Riddell, probably potentially over knockout or TKO. I think that yeah. Moicano, like you said, on the feet, he's got a great jab. He's good on the feet, but he's not at the level of Riddell. And, and Brad's going to be able to touch him, hit him with some big shots. And like Power you said, he just, difference. yeah. 
And Moicano just kind of gets back going backwards. Can't then he can't force the takedown because then Brad Riddell's good enough to stuff the original takedown. It's gonna be I think it's gonna be a hard night for Moicano. He could he could impress, but I'm leaning towards uh, Brad. Comeback fight. fight for Dominic Reyes against Ryan Spann. How do you see that one going, John? When someone's been removed this long, and there's a lot of things that go through my mind. A lot three of things that go row, through my mind. Yeah, three losses in a row. But it wasn't like he lost to Cairns. No, he, he lost, lost, a, the, lost a good a lot fighters. Of a lot of people would have thought that he actually won the John Jones fight. Yep. Okay. So that was his first loss. Then you take a look at he lost to Blahovich for yep. the title. Okay. And then he lost to Yuri. You know, three fucking dynamite fighters. So, no, there's nothing as far as... There's, and that you know, that fight with here. Yuri was fucking barn burner of a fight. It was fucking fantastic fight. And then his fight to, his loss to Blahovich. Just taking into consideration, Blahovich then went on and defended his title and had some. He came into his own at that moment yep. in that time. So it wasn't no like, it. oh, he just won the title and then he lost it. No, no, he won it and then he kept winning. So I'm not. I think Dominic Reyes has all the tools to continue to build himself back up. But where is he at mentally? Because this is a confidence thing again. Can you get back on track after you lose one? Then you lost two. We're right to losing three. You know what I mean? Like it's that's how confidence rolls. This whole thing is a snowball effect of you got to build yourself back up, build yourself back up slowly. If he gets a win over Ryan Spann, don't go thinking, let's go fight, you know, number five now. No, 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 no. Slow it down, buddy. Let's get you back into the routine of winning. Start building you back up. He still has a lot. He still has a ton left in the gas tank, man. And so I'd like to see him. Yeah. And not only that, but he's fucking enormous. So it's like he's got an opportunity, a chance to really make a run at the title shot again. And we've seen guys, Glover's walking proof. Glover Teixeira didn't go his way those first couple of times he fought for the title, came back, you know, and then was able to uh, to win it. Looked impressive, got his wins, you know, and that's this is this is where Dominic Reyes is right now. Take your time, be patient, take the fights to build yourself back up, build your confidence, start formulating you as a fighter on how you can change your game to benefit you to how people haven't seen and they haven't figured out how to beat that yet. That's what happens. Someone sees the groundwork's been laid on how to beat you and people just follow suit. And not to mention that, then once they start, once you start losing, your confidence goes out the door, boom, and then you end up losing two, three, who knows. But I think it's a very winnable fight for him. And I think Ryan Spann, I think Brian Spann, if Dominic Reyes shows up, Ryan Spann's going to be in a lot of trouble. I agree. Molly McCann versus Aaron Blanchfield. Aaron Blanchfield is good. But Molly McCann has been on a run. She has been looking very good. This will be her toughest fight, in my opinion. Blanchfield is outstanding if she gets the fight to the ground. And she's good at getting it to the ground. So Molly's got to be very careful. Some of the techniques that she's been using lately have been really great. You might want to Put those in the back burner right now. The spinning elbow attacks and things like that. Turning her back on Aaron Blanchfield is probably not the best thing she can do. You know, if it's near the end of the round, go ahead. You know, pull it out and try it. But this is a a very difficult fight for both. Molly's got a lot of confidence coming into this. She's been looking good. Aaron Blanchfield has a lot of confidence. Her wrestling, her ground game is stifling. This is a great matchup. 
Yeah, I mean, are we calling her meatball still? I mean, like, she seems like she's slimmed down quite a she's, bit. She's she having some success. Anymore. She's not meatball. It's still anymore. her nickname, but it's still know. her nickname. But she, um, I love watching More her like, fight. I'm gonna continue. We're to gonna watch call her Filet Molly. Filet Molly. Filet Molly. <laughs> so Quality. she, um, she's she's fantastic, man. So this is a very tough fight for her. All the ways that we have seen her lose in the past have been by someone that's able to take her down, control her from the top position, not let her get up. You know, just dominating those positions, really making her work hard, not giving her space to box and, and throw funky stuff. So, and I think that, uh, Blanchfield will be able to do something like that to her. Uh, I'm wishing for the best for Molly. I want her to win, but this is a real, this is a really tough fight. This is that next Absolutely. level fight. This is that yep. next level fight that she's look, she's looking to do to get into that title run. It's going to be a tough task for her. Look, though. she, she, she can't a, do it. She gets a win against Aaron Blanchfield. That is saying something. Yep. Because. Aaron has proven she is in the upper echelon of the flyweight division. She is someone that everyone is looking at going, eh, not sure I need, I want to take that, that girl on right now. And, and Molly is taking that fight. So we'll see what she can do with it. But you're right. This is a tough one. John, is there any other fights on this card you want to talk about? Is there ones that stick out to you on the, on the prelims? Uh, Julio Arce against Montel Jackson, I think is actually going to be a fun fight to watch. Mm -hmm. That one is, uh, both guys are explosive. It should be a really good fight. And so I want to, you know, just give a shout to them. Wu Choi against Michael Trezano out of New Jersey. That is a good fight. That Trezano is very tough. Both guys tend to come out and really step on the gas. So it might be just one of those barn burners. It's just, uh, you know, just a joy to watch. So. All right, everyone, that's going to wrap up our talk for UFC. What is this? 280 something? 281. 281. That's right. Ooh, 280. Oh, gosh. So that's going to wrap up our talk. Hopefully, you guys go to mybookie.ag, use our promo code Wayne in, and uh, hopefully, we helped you make some money. Let us know if we did in the comments down below after the fights are all over. But don't hey, let let's us move know on. if you lost. Yeah, I don't want to know if you lost. Okay, <laughs> don't blame me for it. No, Dave's got <sighs> some news for us. What you got for us there, big dog? All right, so there was a there was one piece that I did want. It was only one piece really to talk about. However, during the filming of the show, uh, there was some breaking news. So I'm just going to put it out there. If you don't want to talk about it right now, we can save it for another day when you're ready. But um, there was a um, update in the Ken Velasquez yeah. case just released where he's been freed on bail. Um, there's a new judge on the case, and he said yeah. even though it's um, the actions that he was charged for are extremely serious, he's decided um, to allow him to be freed on bail. Um, so I just thought that was a that was at least a good update to get um, right now. So I just wanted to share that. Um, mm -hmm. If you want to make a comment, you can. If you don't, we can move right on. Yeah, I was not able to attend. I was out of town yesterday, and I know they had day two today. Um, <clears throat> I know that, that there was a big turnout. Ton of ton of people came out to support. Um, I know that pretty much all the charges were allowed to stick. He's going to go to a full to a full trial. They they the the judge had said in court at the end of court that he would take some time later in the day to decide whether he was going to release him on bail. And you're just I'm just finding out about this like you are right now. There is going to be I I can't say too much. There's going to be a lot of yeah. there's going to be a lot of information out coming out during this during the trial during the trial that yeah. is 
that's going to kind of, they're going to try to combine what had happened to his child and into this, into this, which they're not allowed to do right now. And, but they're trying, they are trying because they have information that may potentially join this thing together. And without, I'm trying not to say too much, but it's, it's, First it's off, gonna let's, be, let's, it's gonna be let's tough, put it this John. way. Let's put it's it this be way. Tough. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna speak as much honestly as I can. First off, I feel horrible for Kane and what happened with his son and everything. The one thing people cannot lose sight of, and I'm a hundred percent for Kane, but you cannot lose sight that hey, he committed a crime. And they're not big on letting people become you know, a vigilante type of crime without doing some type of punishment. He's done a lot of days. He's he's coming up close to a year that he's been held. Yeah. It's so eight I'm, months I'm, now. I'm, I'm really happy that uh, he's out on bail because if the person that committed the crimes against his child is out, uh, then he should be out. If you're looking at this as a parent, hey, don't 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 ever give judgment until it happens to you because you never know how you'll react. Yeah. Everybody has, you know, a breaking point and everyone has things that they cannot, you know, th- they feel like they personally weren't there for their child or something like that. All I can say is this. Do I think that, you know, and I've talked to you about this, there may be a trial, there may not. You know, it could be there ends up being a plea bargain and something like that, and that's fine, whatever there is. But what needs to happen is Kane needs to get over this. He needs to get back with his family and get back into his life as quick as possible. I'm not sure how fast that is going to be, but this is a good step in that at least he can see his family, be there for his family now. He's been away a long time, and uh, if it goes to trial, then, you know, whatever happens in the trial happens. But... There will be a lot of things that come out both on both sides from this, and those things will be used either in the trial or in that plea bargaining uh, situation to try to either take time away or some people to add more time. But you know, these things—they're never—they're never pleasurable. They're always ugly. And uh, you know, again, I'm just glad that he's out right now. I, I guess I can—I can stop wearing my free yeah. cane shirt for a while. Well, the. <laughs> The um, you said it is that don't ever judge until it's all resolved. But you yep. also can't judge because if you haven't been in his situation, it's then tough. what are you judging? What do you like? You really don't know what goes through that parent's mind because as a as a father, as you are, and most people most people are of their parent or their children. John, it is your job is to protect your child. Yeah. And when you feel like you didn't do that, that's right. That's the hardest thing I think for most people to understand. And it's hard. Like I I get yeah, I get like you emotional, get emotional. Oh, about yeah. this because you know, they they're doing a documentary on him right now about this whole situation and I sat and talked with him, you did as well. It's hard to understand that someone touched your child in a way that you don't, and that's that itself is that your job is to protect them, look out for them, feed them, take care of them, tuck them in, 
help them with their homework, be there and support them every step of the way. And when you couldn't protect them, make sure that the you, monsters stay far away. Exactly. Yeah. And, and we've been ingrained in our lives to, to, to think that your father is the one that's going to protect you from the monsters in the closet and under the bed. But little did we know the monster was at daycare where the child was supposed to feel safe. Yeah. And that's the hardest part is that we, none of us will ever know what went through his mind, what he was thinking at that moment when he just lost it. You know, that's the hardest part. Cause I, all, I, all I can say is this, and people can look at it any way they want. I was a police officer for 23 years. I saw stuff that no one needs to see. I saw things with kids that if I was able to actually get a hold of the person, I'm going to do bad things because that person's evil. And it's like, I know that doesn't sound right, but wait till you see what they did. Mm -hmm. It doesn't leave you. It affects you for the rest of your life. Yep. But I'm glad he's out. Good. I'm glad he gets glad to see free. the kids. I'm glad he gets to see the kids, his wife and family and everything. Uh, next, Dave. I'm glad you didn't do that story last. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I deliberately changed my order there for a reason. Yeah. All right. Um, UFC Vegas 64 fight is under investigation after suspicious betting. Um, now, there was a fight uh, this last weekend. And so ESPN reported that the fight has been investigated um, after several sports books in multiple states reported suspicious wagering on the featherweight contest. According to the report, odds and Shalian Nurdenbeek defeat, uh, defeating the underdog and uh, Derek Minner moved dramatically in the hours leading up to their UFC Vegas 64 fight. It seems betters were convinced that not only the Chinese, uh, not only the Chinese fighter would win, but he would do so in the first round. Large bets were placed on Nurenbeke wow. uh, to win by knockout in the opening round, and for the fight not to go the distance. The fight just lasted lasted just over a minute, um, and. And it was after the leg injury. And this is following that that recent um, incident well, where, you know, they changed the rules. Or well, this well. Is, the UFC has just uh, taken and put a stance where fighters are, are not allowed to gamble on fights, be it their fight or anybody else's fight. And this kind of comes right, you know, after that whole thing has come out. But you have to give it up for the UFC and that, hey, they're investigating this thing because you can't have this. They know that, you know, gambling is a part of what people like to do when it comes to fights, and they want... I can tell you now, there's several fights that in the UFC, and this is before Dana was ever there or anything like that, that I will tell you that fight was fixed. I can tell you on two of them, and not a doubt in my mind, but it was done not by the UFC, it was done by managers of fighters that told their, their fighter to, you know, you know, you're going to go out there and lose. And this is what can when you have this and people look at corruption in the sport, it can absolutely damage your brand in an immense fashion. So I understand why the UFC is looking at this, looking at it in, with a, uh, a very, you know, close eyed, they cannot have this type of situation happen. And if you're looking at it, you know, unfortunately, you know, they're, I don't think they're looking at, you know, they're not looking at, you know, the winner of this. They're looking at Derek Menner. Yeah. They're looking at a guy who 
had an injury supposedly, and I'm not, you know, he could have had the injury, but it was the knee all of a sudden was having, having a problem off of two kicks. He has his knee injury. He goes down and the fight is finished on the ground. So I hope, I pray that Derek Minner had nothing to do with anything with this. There was no collusion, no, nothing as far as a conspiracy to, to commit this. I hope you know he's clear of that, you know, because that's something that that's a stigma that will never ever leave. Yep, ask Pete Rose. Yeah, there you go. You know what I mean? Like it, it comes and, down and to Pete, Pete Rose only bet on his team to win. You know. <laughs> Here's the thing, though, John, you can't do is it. that it not not only what happens during these situations is that someone got greedy, oh, and yeah. they probably bet on different platforms. And bet as much as they could, whether it's three grand, eight grand, whatever it was, for that fighter to lose. Took the odds All of a sudden, out. Yep. And then to bet on the first round TKO. The other thing is, it in these situations, he, I don't know if, and I'm not saying men are doing anything, but to understand a lot, how many times have you heard fighters say, I'm fighting injured, TJ Dillashaw, but it's because if they don't maybe have insurance. So they go to the fight so they can get the shoulder fixed or the knee fixed or the ankle fixed or their yep. hand fixed. That's true. Some fight. Now, I know the UFC offers that $1,500 deductible insurance for major surgeries. But fighters, though, sure, I can get the surgery, but now I'm out for six months. I need the money. I need that little bit of money to get me through the surgery process of healing and getting back into the cage. So they fight, they have the surgery, and then they take that, use that money to get them through to their next fight. It's not well, a way to also, live. There's also no deductible when you, you when you do oh, supposedly in the fight. Yes, exactly, exactly. There, it's a flat fee of a fifteen hundred dollar deductible. Normally, I don't know if it's changed since I was since I was around, um, but it's normally a fifteen hundred dollar. But that's for every surgery. So if you have two surgeries in one year, that's three grants, fifteen hundred dollars each major surgery, which is actually, to be honest, a fantastic deal. Yeah, it's up fantastic to fifty thousand dollars worth of. Uh, yeah, you know, it's a fantastic insurance. deal. So. Um, I no hope other, he's not involved. Look, no other promotion has any kind of health no. insurance. No, no, no. Not that we know, not that I know of, not that I've nope. ever heard of. Now, but, uh, now, hold it. I'll make this clear to everyone. If you fight for the organization and you get injured, yeah. those organizations will pay for your medical. But Yeah, they have no choice. The, they can't be sanctioned, right, without right. it. Yeah. So the promotions can't be sanctioned without it. They need to, I believe, put up a bond for a certain amount of money. Bond. Yes. Yep. So they put up a bond for a certain amount of money to cover each one of those athletes for up to their fifty thousand dollars or whatever it is for their insurance. Uh, I hope he's not involved because if he is, John, tell us about the repercussions he'll be facing. He will not be licensed in any state. Oh no, his, he, his he will never probably fight again, and my he will probably will get sued by I don't know how many damn people. The UFC will for sure yeah. sue him. He yeah. will lose fucking everything. It's so funny because I have I've had some friends back in the day. And they wanted me to bet against myself to lose. And I was like, bro, this is not even. They're like, yeah, you're you're the underdog. And it was the first fight with Gil because I was a four to one underdog. Like, just, yeah, just go down, go down. I was like, yeah. And they wanted to put hundreds of thousands of dollars on me to lose. I was like, no, nah. And then when the fight was over, they're like, God, thank God. Because you won. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, no. I felt, I felt like I was going to win that fight. So fighters don't majority and i don't know i've never met a fighter that didn't think that they were going to win i've never met a fighter that didn't think they were going to win never had anyone in my in my in my room in my room in terms of an aka 
I have never met any of our fighters that have ever fought in the biggest promotions that didn't think they were going to win. Fuck no. We don't breed fucking losers around here. We're out here to win. And that was, that was fucking something we just, we did. We just tried our fucking hardest. We never in our minds ever thought we were going to lose. Studs. Anyway. You you tried always, you know, look at money's not everything. And I know it's like, if you do something like that, I mean, you're basically saying, well, it's worth this. I'm worth this. You never want to do that. You know, right. if there's worse things in this world than, uh, I don't know. Don't ever, ever get into a situation where you are trying to alter things, you know, horrible for a fighter to do. I hope Derek Minner did not do this. Yeah. John, I, like I, I was saying earlier about the Chandler situation, how he wants to be exciting and, you know, and later on, like, oh, I, I remember it being an exciting fight. My second fight with Gil, exciting fight, but I kicked myself in the ass. Now I'm going, if you would have fought a little bit smarter, you would have won that fight. That's me giving my all and still yeah. being mad yeah. at myself. Yeah. Can you imagine how you will feel after you fucking throw all a fighter? All I can say is, it ain't worth it. I don't care uh-uh. how much money it is. No, it's not. It right. ain't worth it. Don't nope. don't even think about it. But, but speaking of money, there was a winner in the fucking lottery for two point zero four billion dollars. Holy shit! And it shit. was not you or I. <laughs> it was not. Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! But it do you play? Was in... Yes, I do. Yes, you I do. do. <laughs> I'm a total loser when it comes to that shit. I don't. I don't gamble like normally and stuff like that. I mean, I'll place a couple bets here and there. Uh, on you know some football games or some some baseball games whatever it is and uh you know but no I don't I don't go deep into that that type of stuff but I, I do I do I do play the lottery I like to play though when it's when it's not as much money I don't know why I feel like there's less people playing which means I have more chance of a win and look I'm sorry but three million dollars is still a lot better than the kick so, in the teeth just so you know just so you know you still yeah. don't have a chance of winning yeah it's <laughs> fuck it is what it is hey. You know how much hey. of a less you have less of a chance of winning if you don't yeah. play. That's, That's right. the biggest thing. This so. is true. This Go is to waitingpodcast.com, pick up some of our merch hoodies. It's getting cold outside. It was raining all day yesterday. It's cats and dogs today. LA was like a flood. I was driving around LA yesterday. There's a flood everywhere. Um, their streets suck, man. That that <laughs> that city was like just just rats just fucking run, running down the lanes. Anyways. Hey, look. We are doing a special breakdown of dustin and who and dustin, dustin. and justin dustin, dustin, and, dustin justin. and justin on our clips channel so podcast dave is going to put the link down below to our clips channel and we will see you guys on the other side over there john and i are going to rewatch that fight talk you guys through it talk about the action also talk about what i think each fighter is going through at that time and just break it all down. And also use a little bit of this information we give you for this on how Dustin will potentially approach Michael Chandler if you're still on the fence about how to bet that fight at mybookie.ag. So guys, hit that link down below. Get you to the Clips channel. Okay, and that, that uh, fight will post on Thursday of our breakdown. And that's only available on our Clips channel. That's the only place you will see it. John, take us away, bud. This is true. I hope everyone has a very good week leading up to one of the best pay-per-views there is coming out with 281. It's going to be fantastic. Go out there. Enjoy the rest of your week. Do something kind for someone just because you can. If you haven't voted, you still have a little bit of time. Get out there and vote. Oh, no, you don't. This is the day after. Sorry. Well, you screwed up. 
So <laughs> go out and do something good for someone and we will see you.